for us with your grace, with your love, with your mercy, with your peace. God, I pray that we would just experience you in this season, in the midst of all the family traditions and um, <laughs> the unique traditions, Lord, that you would invade our homes. I pray that you would invade our parties, including Thursday. I pray that you'd invade this church today, Lord. I pray you'd invade our hearts, and we just open the doors of our hearts and say, come on in, Jesus, shine your great light. And um, we love you in Jesus' name, amen. All right. I love Christmas season. I say, well, I usually always talk about a Christmas tree, but um, I love Christmas for multiple reasons, and um, one thing I do like that I very rarely do because I'm partially lazy in some things, but the Christmas lights on the house, uh, last time we did it, I think I left it on for a bit too long, and it was a couple months later, and Mel was sweetly saying, I think it's time to take down the Christmas lights. Um, I love Christmas lights. Um, I don't know if you know this, but God is the father of lights. The Bible says that all good gifts come from the Father of lights. The greatest gift of all, his name's Jesus. That's why we put lights up. Isn't that awesome? It's pretty simple. But it's not just a, uh, an empty tradition that we're putting lights up. Why are we putting lights in the darkness? Putting lights in the darkness because Jesus came to shine a light into the darkness. He came to take you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of light. So we put lights up. To declare to the world in the darkness that the Son of God has come. Isn't that amazing? Woo, I'm getting chills thinking about them. I love Christmas trees. This one doesn't, these don't have it, but um, even at my house, we didn't put anything on top. Usually we do, but it always ends up being crooked and falling over. And I have the hardest time making uh, our star stay up. Uh, but usually we put stars on top. Sometimes some of you might put an angel on top of your Christmas tree obviously symbolized star that went over Bethlehem and shined down on Jesus and we shoved the presence under the tree because the star is shining down upon the presence symbolizing Christ himself. Isn't that fun? I love it. We put the things that we're thankful for, our family things, you make ornaments and you put them on the Christmas tree because this is saying these are the gifts that God has given me and they're symbols of the, the good gifts that the Father of Lights has given to us. Isn't this fun? I love it. And it's just filled everywhere. You go to the mall, there's a Christmas tree, and it's like the gospel everywhere. Maybe everybody doesn't see it, but did you guys know Santa Claus was a real guy? <laughs> yeah, Saint Nick. He punched a heretic in the face. Oh, we won't talk about that story. Um, uh, all right, if you got a Bible, some of you are like, what? <laughs> Look it up. Um, He's actually a good guy. He'd actually go down the street and they would, he, he was known for taking gifts and throwing it basically and putting it into windows. Usually people were airing out um, um, stockings, etc., and they would dry it by the fire because it was obviously cold. And so the concept was is that St. Nick would come by and he would put stuff uh, in there and give gifts to people. That's where that comes from. Isn't that fun? He wasn't from the North Pole, but... Um, Asia Minor. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, if you've got a Bible, let's go to uh, the book, the Gospel of Luke. 
chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 21. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to read a few verses at a time and stop as we kind of mull over it together, and then uh, we'll chat a little bit, and then we'll get into worshiping Jesus together. All right, Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census took, the census first took place while, wow, Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. I think this is a really interesting um, thing to point out. It doesn't sound like much other than some history, but... People in the church have taken this and they've actually made songs about it, famous songs. Um, There was an old hymn written by a saint and they said, uh, just as there was one Lord being Caesar calling all people to come, so this one Lord was coming and drawing all people to himself, right? And then it says that in this hymn that he came down and was registered, okay, with fallen humanity so that we could be registered into his kingdom. Isn't that amazing? Let's keep reading. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, Can you pull up Micah 5-2, Andrew? This is um, the prophet Micah, uh, Micah 5, 2 through 5. I wonder if he has it up there. Thanks. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Pause right there. Wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. This guy's birth date was here in, we would call it zero, right? We're in the year 2022. Our date system is built off of this guy being born. But his goings and his life didn't begin there. His life was from everlasting. Isn't this wild? Okay, next verse. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. Did I have another verse there? And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord as God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be peace. We'll end there. So, 
there's a prophecy in Micah saying that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem and this guy isn't just a guy. His goings forth are from everlasting. That God Almighty was going to take on flesh and dwell with us and be with us and be our ruler. But beyond that, as we're going to read, he's going to be our savior, right? So I think it's important for us to recognize that when this gospel is saying that he's coming, he's not just coming to Bethlehem by perchance or random act. And the king when he's calling everybody to, to have a census, that this is a divine act of God. This is why we actually believe that it's a sign and a symbol that the king of glory was going to gather all peoples because this very act of them going to Bethlehem would have never happened unless they were called to go there to be registered. Isn't that wild? But yet God moves kings. He moves everybody and he can do whatever he wants. And he drew this guy to tell everybody to go to the places they needed to go. And as it happened, she was super pregnant. And gave birth in Bethlehem. Okay, let's keep reading. This is verse 8. <clears throat> now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. Wow. Can you pull up Isaiah 1 3? <clears throat> the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know, my people do not consider. This is fascinating. This angel shows up to these shepherds. And he's going to tell them that there's a baby born in a manger, which we already read. He's going to say it again. This was prophetic. This idea of God coming and laying in a manger, just like right there. A manger is a, f a food trough, an animal trough. Okay, Jesus was, a barn back then wasn't like built like we would think of a barn today. It was more of a little cave on the side of the hill. Um, but he's placed in there because the animals knew who he was. People wouldn't recognize who he is, that he's the creator of the whole universe, but the animals knew. And I just think that's wild. It's like you're traveling to a place where you know some people. You're going to hang out with the people that you know first. And yet the people who are made in his image after his likeness wouldn't recognize him. And yet the scriptures say the donkeys will. And the donkey will know its master's crib. Isn't this fascinating? Let's read Isaiah 7, 14. Two more fun prophecies. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And then Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Whew, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
This is what they were expecting. Isn't this wild? This is what they were expecting. When, when they're expecting this, we're not going to read this story, but when they're expecting this, the ruler of the land ended up having a bunch of children put to death. And the people of Israel weren't just expecting some guy to come who would lead a rebellion or be some kind of just quote-unquote ruler like any other king. They were expecting what they called a Messiah, which is what we call Christ. And that's like saying the ruler of all rulers, the leader of all leaders, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, God incarnate, the one who's empowered by God to be the leader of everything, whose name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is this is the son that was promised way before Jesus was born. Isn't this fun? Wow. I think it is. Oh, I wanted to say this. Well, let's keep reading and then I'll say it. Verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I'm going to pause right there on that verse. Right before that, he said, I bring you great joy, good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. Number one, the message of Jesus is a good message. It's not, it's not a God doesn't like you, get your act together message. It's a God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son message. It's a message that he loves you so much that he's got good things and good thoughts and good plans and good intentions for you. He's got peace for you. He, he sees a people, us and all of humanity, he sees a people blindly walking in darkness. And he says, I've got light for you to lead you out of this. Are we following? Got good news of great joy. <clears throat> and to all people, <laughs> I love that by the way, because there's some people who think it's only for some. This message is for everybody. <clears throat> for there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's a big thing to say. Number one, it's prophesied that um, from David would come this Messiah who we read about. And his name would be Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. From the seed of David, which his mom and Joseph, who's not his biological father, but they still use his genealogy in one of the Gospels, both of them line up straight to King David, right? Um, but it says, this is the guy who's born in the city of David. He's, number one, first thing, a savior, I think, I think we have to swallow as people that we need a Savior. And people sometimes quote that it's harder for a rich man than for poor people to come to Jesus. Because they would say that a rich man feels like he doesn't need any saving. But one of the first things you have to swallow as a human is you're in need of saving. You're in need of saving from the devil. You might not see him. 
but you're in need of saving from him. You're in need of saving from your sin, and you're in need of saving from death. And not just that, God wants to save our relationships. He wants to save some of our marriages. He wants to save our families. He wants to save our friendships. He wants to save all of it. That's good. Jesus came. Yeah, I'm getting excited. He came to save us. But if we're just people who don't recognize our need of a Savior, we're going to miss out on the pinnacle of what Christ has come to do. If it was not for Christ, you would just be like an every, you'd just be like a, a person that dies and lives in death for eternity. Wow. What, what person among us would, is going to die and then just out of their own power jump back up out of the grave? Are we following? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. He came to save you ultimately from that. But he came to give you life. He didn't have a bad intention for you. He's got good intentions, good tidings of great joy. And finally it says, There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That term the Lord is a term that we give to God. So when it says the Lord, which it's ultimately going to, it's going to quote this in a few seconds, using it towards God. But this is a term that they used for God. Instead of saying Yahweh in the Old Testament, they would put Lord. And this is him saying that Christ, this Messiah, this is the Jewish understanding. He's not just some leader, but he's Christ the Lord, meaning Christ God. He's God incarnate. That's what that means. When we even sang it earlier, Christ the Lord in our song, what we're saying is, is that he's divine. And that's why he's worthy of glory. Okay, verse 11. Verse 12. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Um, some people, this sign, by the way, we, we quoted the scripture where he would come and he'd be born in Bethlehem and a baby would be born, etc. And even this concept that the, the donkeys would know their master in their crib, right? Um, but some people uh, in the church have seen this idea when it says a sign is given to you, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, that it was actually symbolic of his burial clothes. This is a common way that Christians have thought about this. That his intentions of coming to earth was to live as a human. Meaning to live and to die and to resurrect for all of us to bring us life. And so this image of a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger is a sign that he's coming to those who know him. Ironically, it's the animals at first. <laughs> and then to be known by us, and two, for a purpose. Hmm. 
And then all the angels start singing. I think this is beautiful. Glory to God in the highest. I like the, the kids' version. Um, they started singing it. Uh, I'm not going to do it because my voice is... That's all you get. Um, Glory to God in the highest, (laughs) and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let's just pause for one second, and just outside the whole idea of the story of Jesus, I just want you to think, ask yourself this, If, if God had peace for me right now, what would it look like? If God's got a good will towards me right now, what could that look like? What does that mean? God didn't just have peace on his mind and good will for all of us on his mind when Christ came to earth. It didn't stop there. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He has peace on his mind right now for you, for your relationship with him, for your life in general. And he's got goodwill towards you. That means that he has plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, a hope and a future. I know the thoughts I have about you, says the Lord. He's got a will for you. Not just some pre-described thing of things that will happen and he just, per happenstance, happens to know them. He actually has a will for each one of us. And we have an opportunity to join into his good will for us. Isn't that fascinating? And to say, yeah, God, I, I want to be on this ride with you, that you have a good will for me, for my life, for my family, for my neighborhood. Everywhere I go, you've got good things for me. No matter what it looks like, your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Yeah? He's got this message. He says, peace. And goodwill towards men. And the angels are singing it. I think it's beautiful. A few more verses. And so it was when the angels had gone away into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. Pause right there. Why, why are there angels appearing to random shepherds in the hills around Bethlehem and not to the religious leaders And not to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these leaders, these Jewish leaders. Why is God with angels appearing to shepherds? We have to ask ourselves this. This is the first people that ever preached about Jesus were a bunch of shepherds. How crazy is that? It's prophetic. It's prophetic. Jesus is our great shepherd. It goes with this whole concept. It's funny because shepherds even do what was happening where they, they at times gather in their sheep to the sheepfold and they do a registry or a census of their sheep. Let's see how many we've got. 
This whole, this, everything going on around the birth of Jesus is all like similar. Does that make sense? And these shepherds are unique people that do a very act that's all going on around them in some bigger, mysterious and crazy way. Okay, all these parts are happening and all these prophecies of old are all being fulfilled wildly. And yet these, these angels, or this angel, unangel of the Lord, and then all the other angels are just singing, unangels appearing to a bunch of shepherds. And they're the first ones to preach the message. It's prophetic. It, it's a sign. It's another one of the signs. And the sign is that he's our great shepherd. And the message is for all of us, his sheep, his people, to come in and to be registered into the kingdom of heaven, to be found and protected to be watched over, to be guided by, to live with and to have communion with our living God. Isn't this fun? It says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. How crazy would it be to be Mary? I just got to say, that's, I mean, in this gospel, it's a very like small little snippet, but I mean, it says one little sentence, but Mary pondered these things in her heart. I would be pondering like crazy. I would be like, number one, I love this. Again, I would keep alluding to this video. I swear, we should have just had the video and called it a day. But she's standing there and she's like, pop, like there's a baby. Uh, but even that act is so miraculous. And just imagine if you were her in this, this crazy experience. Imagine her being betrothed, engaged to Mary Joseph, and all of a sudden, she's popping out a belly. And everybody's like, what? Did you imagine? That's just crazy. Everybody starts telling him, get rid of her. She's sleeping around town. And it says that he was a righteous. Oh, this wasn't even the part that we're going to sing or say, but I just got to go there. Like, you know, it says he was a righteous man, and it says that he was going to put her away quietly which is fascinating because he could have made a big deal about it. And yet, in <laughs> the very normal sense, he was going to be like, it's okay, um, I'm not going to make a big deal about it in front of everybody and shame the family, shame you or anything. And he was going to put it away quietly. And, it, and then he has a dream. An angel comes to him and is like, no, dude, this is Messiah. And he's like, well, all right then. <laughs> crazy uh, like there's got to be something in the air obviously if that happened today and the people are about to get married be like you're you're they're lying uh, <laughs> I don't believe this dream it's demonic no one would believe it but back then you're in a season where people are are expecting Messiah to come too. this is so palpable for all of them what would lead a leader to kill a bunch of kids in a whole region I'm trying to say, I just want us to understand how, like, tangible this idea is that Messiah is coming, right? They had a, dude, there was a prophecy by Daniel saying that there would be a certain number of years and then Messiah would come. And he gives the exact years from the time of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem to Messiah and says the years. And the people were counting it down. That's why they were so expectant at that time. Jesus is, the, the Messiah is coming, are you following? Yeah. 
Anyways, I just think it's crazy for Mary and Joseph and their own little ordeal. But it says, Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. I find this scripture humorous. I wish I had more revelation from that verse. But other than I feel like I would be like tripping. I'd be thinking about it for a while. Like, that's crazy. And I'd be looking at the baby like, dude, this is crazy. Imagine breastfeeding the Son of God, like giving life to the Son of God. Like, this is crazy in an honest sense. Like, in a truly honest sense, this is wild. God became a human, a little baby. God became a man. That's just crazy to me. Okay, I got to move on from that one verse. Verse 20, last two. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. In the last verse, and when the eight days completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. <coughs> That's amazing. Um, a couple things in this verse I just don't want to pass up. Um, uh, the obvious out of the way. His name was Jesus. Jesus means Savior. It's a big deal. If you ever feel like God's not around and you're like, God, I don't feel like we're connecting, I want to tell you right now, He loves you so much. He'd do anything to connect with you. He'd do any. He literally came to earth and died for you. I know it for a per, I know it for uh, for a reality. He came to earth so that you can have communion with him. If you ever feel like I'm just walking this world alone, you're not alone. God wants to encounter you. He wants to give you His Spirit. Yeah. He loves you so much. His name is Savior. Um, I will say this. It says that he was circumcised. Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. Um, Jews would, the boys would be circumcised on the eighth day. That's the tradition that started. I'm talking all the way back to Abraham. Okay? The girls wouldn't be circumcised, but the boys would be circumcised, obviously. And this wasn't because God was favoring dudes over ladies. This is because it was a sign. Everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of Christ. Are we following everybody? Everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of Christ, and everything in the New Testament is the revelation of Christ, the revealing of Christ. And this idea that they would do as a sign of the covenant of circumcision was number one, it was on a child or a boy because it was symbolic of the boy who would come for all of us, men and women included. Are we following? So that's number one. And number two, um, there's a great scripture in Joshua chapter five where the people of Israel had been delivered from Egypt. We all know that story. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. A guy named Moses comes along. 
Well, before Moses, there's this Pharaoh who got a little concerned about them, so he has the baby boys thrown into the Nile, which is eerily similar to the situation um, in Judea at the time of Jesus. Um, But Moses' mom takes him. My family just watched Prince of Egypt. This is why I know it so well. Um, (laughs) Which is a... it's a crazy story, too. My daughter has a, it's a, oh, it's such a beautiful movie, but she has a really hard time with the concept of death and people dying, and you could see her, she's 12, you see her little brain really processing, and, um, but anyways, Moses comes, delivers the people, what happens is they go into the wilderness of sin. When they end up crossing the Red Sea, we know it became dry land. Um, they come into the wilderness, and they're there for a whole generation. Basically, that people turned from God. They began murmuring different things. They didn't even circumcise their children. So when it says that these people weren't allowed to go into the promised land, these people were a people that they were on the travels, but... Their hearts weren't fully given over. They, they, they got a whole law, but then they didn't even circumcise their own children. Isn't that wild? So in Joshua, the next generation, when they're about to go into the promised land after, he circumcises all the boys because God comes to him and says, basically, get a knife and do it. And, um, and so he does. And I love this quote from God. <laughs> In Joshua 5.9, this is him talking, that's why it's from God. Um, When they got circumcised, he said, Today I have removed the disgrace of Egypt from you. This image of circumcision, we might read these things and just pass over a lot of some random Jewish custom. It's not a random Jewish custom. This is a big symbolic deal for the Jewish people and for Christians, all right? This, this idea is, is when God says, I've removed the disgrace of Egypt, Egypt is a symbolic image of the kingdom of darkness where humanity is enslaved, enslaved. They were slaves. But the Lord is coming for emancipation, for freedom. Christ has set you free. We understand. And so this idea of, The covering um, before circumcision is an idea where the Lord is linking that to the disgrace of Egypt. He's actually linking it to a place of of sinful pleasure and um, what does it say? It says, he's crucified our sinful lusts and our desires on the cross in Christ Jesus. Are we following? And this is the disgrace, this aspect of being in bondage and slavery. And so it's a, you know, maybe a weird image for some of you, but it's the image nonetheless, okay? Um, um, as, I was, as I was thinking about this, I've been, I've been thinking about Galatians uh, chapter 2. And in Galatians 2... Verse 20 says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, right? And the life I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus didn't just come 
so that we could have a cool story to link to our cool traditions, which they are cool, and I'm not downgrading them. But Jesus didn't just come so we could have cool movies or cool stories or cool festivals. I think he came for those, but he didn't just come for those. He came to take you out of a jail cell and to put you in his kingdom with freedom. If I told you you were free, do you believe me? Some of you are like, yes. And some of you are like, oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible says, this is the good news in Isaiah. It says, to proclaim this, the opening of jail cell doors to those who are bound. We've seen a marvelous light. As we read in the prophecy, O Bethlehem, there was shining a marvelous light. To these people, his name is Jesus. The Bible says that he was the word in the beginning. He was with God and he was God. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. It goes on to say that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only gotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And to all those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. Not born of blood, nor flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is what he has for us. He was born so you could be born. He was born so you could be born again. I love this. I love all the little nuances. He was this and now we get to this. I just love all of them. He came from heaven so you can go up to heaven, you know. He took on mortal flesh so you can live immortally in him. Everlasting life. The king of glory. God didn't make us and just have some random story for some of us. It's like, well, you're just destined for whatever. Bad stuff. H-E double hockey sticks and the whole thing. He's not sitting up in heaven going, well, my destiny for you is that you would die and suffer and be gone from me forever and you're just going to be used as a pawn in this season, in this life for everybody else. This is a message of goodness, good message, good tidings of great joy for all people, all people, that whosoever believes in the name of the only begotten Son of God shall not perish but have everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus committed none of them. And what happens, I love to say it, and I just, maybe I love to say it because I had a dream once where I was saying it in the dream, and it just rocks my life. What happens when you kill an innocent person, a truly innocent person who's never sinned and never done wrong, ever? What happens if that person dies? They resurrect. Yeah. And Jesus died never deserved any of it. He died. He suffered something for us so that we can have everything in him. And this doesn't just start in the, in, the, in the future when Christ comes back or maybe when you die and you think of yourself going to heaven, whatever, um, whatever ideas we might have 
Uh, I'm not going to go into all that, but it doesn't just start then. This starts now. The Bible says, I no longer live now, but Christ lives in me. This birth, this gift, doesn't just stop at Jesus. It continues in each of us, becoming a gift to the world. Guys, you're a gift. And when you're born again, it's like Christmas all over for everybody around you. <laughs> There's a, one more verse. I just like the Bible. Um, in Galatians chapter 3, he goes on and he says, you know, basically these people were trying to do good things. And he, he, he was telling them, why are you trying to be like perfect by like doing all the right things? Like, you didn't start that way. If you could be perfect by doing all the right things, then Jesus died in vain. Right? So then he goes on and he says, hmm. he says, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because of the works that you do or because he hears faith? Jesus has done something extraordinary for each of us, but it doesn't stop at a story. He really wants to connect with us. And he's, I think the challenge is, are we willing to believe that it goes beyond just a nice story every day of our life to where we can engage him? He actually wants to give his spirit, which is a miraculous thing. It's linked with miracles. And when we confess our faith, when we confess belief in him, he's moving all around us. It's fascinating. I need to talk more about miracles on another week. But I guess my encouragement then is, one, as we're experiencing Christmas with our families, with our kids, it's really cliche, but whatever, um, Jesus would be the reason for the season, truly. Um, and I, usually we give gifts anyways, even if we're not filled with total like joy about it, but some of us are. Um, but I think if we can be a people who not just remember and retell, but perceive receive the good news and the reality. This is not just some pet doctrine. This is an opportunity to engage the living God. This is an opportunity for us as a family. And like I said earlier, he's come to save. He's come to save some of us from darkness and how we feel when we're walking in darkness. And he says, you don't need to be in that anymore. He's come to save our marriages, 
takes two to tango. But when marriages, when couples come together in humility before the Lord, He's their Savior. The church, we should have thriving marriages and they should be shining lights to the world. Right? Um, Jesus, Jesus is here to help us have that. So, my, my desire, my hope, my prayer is that we would let him into all the areas of our life, you know, in the season. And I really pray, it happens every year, but I pray really that it doesn't just go by as, a, as some holiday and we don't, number one, miss the meaning, and two, we don't pass up the opportunity to draw near, which we should be doing anyways, but I'm just saying, this is, what a beautiful way. And at David and Valerie's house, down the street, their neighborhood's wild, and like, they, it just looks crazy. All the lights, and how beautiful it is. Any human that sees it is like, wow. What is it about bright, beautiful lights in darkness? It's just wild. You don't need to be some monk to realize that it's a beautiful thing. It's tugging on your heart for a reason. It feels like a good thing for a reason. And it's, it's showing you Christ. And I just, I feel like if we talk about the message, but anyways, what would it look like for Jesus to invade our Christmas mornings? What would it look like for Jesus to invade your house with your extended relatives? For some of you that maybe are even alone on Christmas, what would it look like for Jesus to invade that space? What would it look like for Jesus to invade the space while you're shopping? What would it look like for Jesus to invade the space while you're talking about stories, hanging out with your family, all the good gifts that you put ornaments around your tree about? What would it be like if Jesus invades that space and we begin to be like, wow, this good news, this glad tidings, the reason it's so glad is because that one entrance made an entrance for all time by the Spirit, for us to Him and Him to us forever. That, the Christmas story is not just like Jesus came back then. It's, it's He always existed. The dude came and he offers this encounter for everyday life. And I just feel like this is a good moment, a good pause moment for us. And I know that as a church, you know, the next few Saturdays, we're not meeting. On Thursday, we're having a party at the Skinner's house, which is going to be fabulous. Um, um, but if there's something that's like just deep in my heart, I just, and maybe a prayer for all of us is that life doesn't just run by us, but that we truly encounter him. And maybe it looks like little baby steps, like just talk to the guy. Talk to him. I dare you. Spend more than five minutes. Spend more than 30 seconds. Spend more than the one moment while we're driving in a car and someone almost hits you and you say, oh God, help me. Spend, 
Spend some time. Open up your Bible. Hang out with some Christians. Get in your prayer room. Go behind closed door where no man sees and shut the door behind you. For when the Father who sees in secret sees you, he will reward you openly. Christ was manifested to the whole world so that you can come into a secret place with God. (laughs) Come on, guys. He was manifested to the whole world so that you can gain entrance to a secret place with him. All right. Can I get the uh, worship team up here as we end together? Get the prayer team as well. Sounds great. I just want to, just as we start worship together, I would just love to say a blessing for all of you for Christmas. Um, Father, no matter what we don't have, thank you that we have such good things around us all the time and that your goodness is here, right here, right now. Lord, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that you give your spirit to us and Lord, your presence is in us forever. (laughs) Lord, we love you. Father, I I pray for our community. I pray that you would Uh, Bless these next couple weeks. Um, I pray that you would invade our homes, that you would (laughs) even haunt us with your Holy Spirit (laughs) in a beautiful way, God. Lord, that you would Open our ears to hear your spirit. Open our eyes to see what you're doing. I pray you bless every family in this church. I pray that you bless every marriage in this church. I pray every child in this church is filled and empowered with your spirit this season. Father, we thank you for your goodness, God. I pray for a spirit of thankfulness and praise from this church, from our church, God. Lord, that we would recognize and be people who see your goodness. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing together, guys. If you want to get up, stand up. Yeah, stand let's, up. Let's have a great time.